we, we thank you that you are here. We thank you that for our brothers and sisters in Christ who may be alone right now by themselves, that you are, you are with them. For families gathered together in their living rooms or small groups or friends gathered together, that you are, are there present with them. Thank you. Thank you for that promise. In Christ's name, amen. If you have your Bibles, or if you don't, grab one. We are looking at Luke chapter uh, 24. This is the, the story of the, of the walk to Emmaus. It's uh, the last of the, the post-resurrection stories that we're going to be, be looking at. We'll be moving on to some other things next week. It's a wonderful story of, of Jesus meeting two of his disciples um, as they walk along the road. The sermon today is going to be kind of in two parts. Um, this first part, I'm going to read about their story of Jesus and Cleopas and Cleopas' friend walking along the road and what Jesus reveals to them in that moment. Then we're going to do some, some singing, some worship together. And then uh, before communion, we're going to take a look at the, la- the second part of that story of them gathered together in a room sharing a meal together. I began reading from verse 13, Luke chapter 24, verse 13. Now that same day, this is Resurrection Sunday, now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? He asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and then crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had, women had said. But him they did not see. We have two friends walking along the road, two of Jesus' followers, uh, not one of the, the 12 disciples, not the inner circle, but maybe one of the, the 70 or um, a little bit wider circle of people who have been following Jesus around, listening to his teaching and seeking to follow what he had for them. One of them is named Cleopas. We, we don't know the name of the other. But both of them are in a season of confusion and hurt and disappointment. They 
had given up so much to follow Jesus. They had placed all of their hope in him. Maybe some of them had sold all of their possessions to come and to follow him. But just a few days earlier, they watched him die. Crucified on a cross like a common criminal. All of their hopes that this would be the man who would redeem Israel, who would save them, all of that was gone. And so they're walking along the road, talking about these things. And as they're walking along the road, a stranger comes and begins to talk with them. Luke tells us that this stranger is Jesus, but they don't recognize him. And as Jesus walks along the road, they tell him about everything that has happened over the last few days. And Jesus listens to them. I love that part. Jesus, the one that all these things happen to, <laughs> he listens to them. He listens to their, their concerns and their worries. And, and after they're finished spilling their guts to him, retelling the story and telling the stranger how disappointed they are, here's what Jesus says to them, verse 25. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. Cleopas and his friend are, are blind. They're blinded by the circumstances of those previous few days. The events of those days were so tragic and so traumatic to them, so unexpected, they can't imagine how they're going to recover from it. And they, they are so consumed with those circumstances themselves that they don't even recognize Jesus when he's standing there walking with them. And the way that Jesus begins to open their eyes is that he takes them to the Scriptures. He takes them to God's Word. Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the Scriptures concerning himself. How great would it be to have uh, been a fly on the wall, like a fly on Jesus' shoulder, listening to the stories that day. What stories did Jesus choose to retell from the Old Testament about? What was his favorite stories about himself? We've all got our favorite stories, but what were his favorite stories that those Old Testament um, prophecies and what Moses spoke about? This is how Jesus begins to wake them up. It's how he begins to open their eyes and to help them see again. He helps begins to heal them of their blindness by pointing them to the biblical story. And he says to them, you are right here in this story. You've, you've been to, to a shopping mall or, or maybe to uh, like a trail or an amusement park, and it's very disorienting and you don't know where you are, and you go and you go to the map, and there on the map is a little dot that says, you are here. Right? You've all seen that, right? And, and once you can see where you are on that map, 
Once you, you know your surroundings and your perspective, you can see then where you're going. It orients you and it gives you perspective. In this story, Jesus drops down a big you are here icon in the story and says, you are right here. There is much that God has planned that has gone before. There is much that God has planned that is going to come after. In these circumstances that you have gone through and witnessed the last few days, you are right here. Jesus reminds them that their lives and those things that they witness are a part of a bigger story. He orients them in God's plan and he gives them perspective. And as they walk along the road, Jesus, who is a stranger to them, he opens up the Bible and he tells the story to them. And their hearts begin to burn as they listen to the story. Cleopas and his friend begin to see that the experiences of that weekend, the experience of loss and hopelessness and despair, all of that experience was very real, but they begin to see that that weekend is not the end of the world, and it was not the end of their hope, it was not the end of the story. Through hearing the story of the Bible, by locating their place in the story, the you-are-here moment Jesus helps them to see that the events that they witnessed, the suffering that their Lord went through, all of it had meaning and purpose. It was all a part of what God is doing in the world. This stranger, who we know is Jesus, makes sense of their story by telling the story. The story of a world that was made by a loving and gracious creator. And that loving and gracious creator is bringing a loving and gracious end. A story about a God who is never surprised and who is always in control. A story about a God who takes suffering and transforms it and uses it for our good and for his glory. The story of Cleopas and his friend walking along the road, confused and fearful, it's a story that we are meant to place ourselves right into. Luke, Luke was a brilliant storyteller. He gives us the name of one of these disciples, but he leaves the other one unnamed, so that I can be walking along the road with Cleopas and Jesus. It's Cleopas and I. It's Cleopas and me. It's Cleopas and James. Cleopas and Joe. Walking down the road trying to make sense of the circumstances of our life. And Jesus wants to come into our confusion, our hurt, our wondering, and he wants to say, you are here. I know what has gone before, and I know what is coming next. You can trust me. What we are going through in our world right now is real and it's serious. It has real consequences to, to our health and to our healthcare system and to our governments and to our economy. All of those are real. And Jesus is going to be walking with us through those things. He sees us and he knows our fears and he knows our concerns. And our Lord wants to come and remind us today that he is the author of a story that begins and ends with him. We are in a part of the story right now where evil and suffering are real 
of humanity is rebellion against God. Because we've rebelled against God's sin and evil and pandemic and war and corruption, all of those entered into our world and all of us experienced the results of it. All of us experienced the sting of sin. We've been hurt by other people and other people have hurt us. Um, we've been hurt by other people and we've hurt other people. We've experienced physical pain. We've experienced physical sickness. We've felt the sting of death when someone that we know has died. But we need to remember where we are in the story. Through the death and resurrection of Jesus, we can know that the very real and tragic experiences that we have and that we experience in our life, that they're not the final word. Jesus is alive. He has flesh and bones. Our worst enemy, death, has been defeated. And so we don't need to fear anything. We don't need to be confused about the suffering and pain that we experience. We can all walk through whatever uncertain time, whether it's this one or whatever ones we will face years down the road, knowing that He is the Lord. And that these things will not have the last word. There's a, there's a scene at the, at the end of the, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. After all of the, the epic battles have been fought, and after, after evil has been destroyed, and the king returns to the throne, and Gandalf the good wizard returns. And everyone thought that Gandalf was, was dead, and one of the hobbits, Sam, sees him and he says, Gandalf, I thought you were dead. And then he says this, Is everything sad going to come untrue? Everything sad going to come untrue. Often when we think about eternity, we think about good things coming true. This is a little bit different. That sad things will become untrue. And I can't but help but think that this is very much what Cleopas and his friend were beginning to feel as their hearts burned inside them as they walked along the road. They couldn't quite fully see that's going to come a little later. But they were beginning to have their eyes open as they were reminded of God's good story. That one day, good things will come true and sad things will become untrue. And I hope that each of us are going to be reminded of that today. We are facing real sad things. Each of us could list many of the things that just burdens to carry. On Friday, when myself and Amanda and Steve were setting up the sanctuary and we were blocking off some of these pews, I just couldn't shake it. It's so sad. I needed and I need Jesus now to come and to remind me where I am in the story remind me that He is Lord and that my present circumstances are real and temporary. God's story is real and eternal. Our circumstances, they are real and temporary. God's story is real and eternal. Verse 28 
they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going farther. I just love Jesus in this story. What things, he asks, and then acts like he's going to go on further. He's trying to lead them to something deeper. It's really the, there's something about the, the story and the irony of the way he plays this out. It's just wonderful to me. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. That sounds familiar to you. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us? While he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. They were there they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told then the two told what had happened on the way, and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. In the story of the walk to Emmaus, we see that God used, or that Jesus uses two things to open the eyes of the disciples. First, he uses the story. We just spoke about that earlier. He, he opens up the word to them. And then, Jesus uses broken bread. The same symbol he used at the Lord's Supper when he broke the bread and said, This is my body, broken for you. In this story, we see that it that there is power in the gift of the Lord's Supper to open our eyes to who He is. In taking communion together, we remember that our Lord came to save us as a suffering servant, willingly going to a cross to die so that we can have life. I learned something knew this week about this story that I had, I had never heard before. For me, the village of Emmaus was this, this peaceful, quaint little town. There's something about the story that is just warm and inviting. And so in my mind, or maybe it's because of the walk to Emmaus experiences or something that you know, people have had, that just made me in my mind think of Emmaus as this, this peaceful little village. I was listening to a sermon about the walk to Emmaus this week, and taught me that Emmaus was actually a battlefield. About 200 years before, there had been a great battle at Emmaus. And for Cleopas and his friends, as, as his friend, as young Jewish boys would have heard about that story, kind of like maybe we hear the battle of Gettysburg. You know, if you think of the word Gettysburg, we immediately think of battle. When they think of Emmaus, they would have thought, that's the place where a battle took place. And at this battle, Judas Maccabees, Maccabees means the hammer, that was his nickname, Judas the hammer, fought a battle against the Syrians where, where they won. So Judas Maccabees, the hammer, um, in, in the book of Maccabees, it says, it says this, that he gives a speech to his army, you know, kind of like, um, you know, Braveheart, you know, kind of giving this big speech to his army to get them excited and fired up for the battle. And this is what Judas the Hammer Maccabee says before the battle. He says, 
don't fear their numbers or be afraid when they charge. Remember how our ancestors were saved at the Red Sea when Pharaoh was pursuing them with his forces. So let's cry to heaven to see if the heavenly one will favor us and remember his covenant with our ancestors and crush this army in front of us today. Then all the Gentiles will know that there is someone who redeems and saves Israel. And in the story, Judas the Hammer and his army do defeat the Syrians. Cleopas and his friends are on the way to a battlefield. As they had been experienced a season of loss, where they had been hoping in this one Jesus to come and to redeem Israel. I think they may be going back to a base to go back to a place where Israel had once won a battle because they thought that their battle had been lost. Maybe they just couldn't take any more thought of defeat, and so they were on their way to to Emmaus to remember a time when Israel won, when Israel crushed their enemies. But Jesus is all about reorienting his disciples about their wrong ideas of what salvation and redemption really mean, and how God is going to bring that so Jesus joins them that night for a meal, and he reminds them that they are looking for victory in a wrong place. Jesus becomes the host of this meal, and he takes bread, and he gives thanks, and he breaks it, and he gives it to them. And when he did that, their eyes God wants to redeem and save Israel and the whole world, they do not come from a battlefield. God's salvation comes through the cross of Jesus Christ. God did not save the world by crushing his enemies like Judas the hammer. He saved the world by suffering and being crushed and dying for it. And so Jesus to finally be recognized on that day by breaking the bread, as a symbol of his broken body. And we're going to take the bread and the cup today. And this meal today comes with power to open our eyes to see him for who he is, to see that he is the author and the perfecter of our faith, to see that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And that it is the cross that redeems and saves.